Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. On this week's pod, we are handicapping the late pick five from Churchill Downs on Saturday, May 23rd. This is show number 65, May 22nd, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. I'm really excited about racing again. Big card this weekend to talk about racing, you know, starting up all across the country. I think we're going to have a great summer of racing. It would probably be the best summer in a long time. And I'm just really looking forward to it. It's actually a great time to be a horse player. Now, I understand you have a little news about an NHC qualifier. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. We're going to have our own private feeder for public handicapper. And uh, it's through the horseplayers.com website. And it'll be only $18 to enter. And it should be a lot of fun. You'll, I think uh, Scott's going to give away some public handicapper swag. I think there's a t-shirt for the winner. Um, you also get a chance to win an entry into a qualifier for the NHC. Um, and, and, and just to be clear, that's one out of 10. Uh, so if there are 100 participants, 10 of them will win an entry into the $165 qualifier. That's right. So the more the merrier, it just gives more opportunities to win a seat. Um, of course, we'll give you lots of love on Twitter. We'll probably like do a live following of this and and post the leaderboard as it goes um it will be on saturday june 6th which is also going to be a monster day of racing the biggest day of the racing probably this year santa anita has their big card with the santa anita derby a uh, belmont will be rolling along with a, a good stakes card on saturday so it'll be great racing we'll be able to talk about on the pod and those races will be carried on in the contest i'm sure um and you know, best of all, you'll get bragging rights to winning the, the first, maybe not the last, public handicapper feeder. And um, Scott and I talked about probably inviting the winner onto the pod. So if, or at least inviting you, uh, depending on whoever wins, they may or may not want to um, uh, participate in a future podcast. But I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I will be tweeting out a link uh, once I get it. I might send out a tweet today just to kind of gauge uh the interest in the contest um and i think uh scott if they don't follow uh, us on twitter you have an email that they could send an email in if they're interested in entering yeah so if you want the link emailed to you just send an email to horseplayers at publichandicapper.com and we'll uh we'll save your name and email 
so that once we have the link, we can email it out to you. Yeah, and it's uh, only $18 per entry, and you can actually have two entries. So if you want to try to double your chances, uh, you can do that. We're hoping we can generate some interest and get a big feeder and have some fun with this, um, kind of build our public handicapper community a little bit and give you guys a chance maybe to end up uh, at the NHC, but if not, at least to get some love um, from us and others that listen in on the podcast. Okay. Um, and uh, just to clarify, Chris, do you need to be an NHC tour member in order to play this one? Uh, you don't have to be a tour member to play, and I need to verify this, but I don't think you have to be a tour member to uh, qualify for the if you win the seat uh, into the the next contest, which would be an NHC qualifier, I think before that contest, you would have to join the tour to be able to win an NHC seat. But I don't think you have to have joined the tour before this feeder. But I will I will verify that before I send the link out. Um, so you don't have to join the tour to be in this contest. But certainly, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, it's a I mean, I, I think anybody who's interested in contest play should uh, join the tour. It's only $50, and it, you get some free contests, and, you know, you get a chance to go to the NHC if you qualify. Um, so I'd encourage people to do that. But, um, you don't. I don't think it, you de definitely don't have to be in the tour to be in the feeder, um, but you may have to join the tour if you qualify for the, the next contest if you want to get to the NHC. Right. There's really no reason to play in the contest if you aren't a tour member because the prize is an NHC seat and nothing else. Right. Although, um, yeah, uh, and the next contest. Although, you know, there, I think the the bragging rights will be a biggest prize for this um, uh, feeder that we're doing. And if you've never been in a contest, you know, some of our listeners may have never played in contests. This is a great way to to get dip your toe in the water it's only 18 dollars. uh it'll be a lot of fun um and maybe you'll like it as much as we do and become a an avid contest player just like scott and myself and we have a special guest he's the voice of the kentucky derby he's churchill downs announcer travis stone travis welcome to the pod gentlemen how are we doing today very good, very good. Uh, nice weather here in New York. I don't know what it's like uh, in Washington, Chris. It's great. We're expecting a really nice weekend for the holiday. And uh, I saw, Tra Travis, that uh, I think somebody tweeted that it's a beautiful sunny day down there today. It is. It's, um, you know, we've had uh, a lot of overcast days and some rain over the past few weeks. Um, but it looks like we're going to be fine, certainly today and tomorrow. So it's uh, good racing on tap and uh, all's well. Nice and cool. It's not uh, that hot summer weather yet, so it's good. Yeah, it should be a perfect day of racing tomorrow. Now, before we get started, we want to ask you just a few questions, but we're not going to ask anything about your race calling adventures because you answered so many on the JK plus one pod last week. Mm. And... Uh, <laughs> um, so we'll we'll ask you more handicapping related questions. Sure. Um, but uh, before we do that, I do want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the In the Money Players podcast 
And um, one of their many different pods that they have there is the JK plus one pod. And it's like a two hour rambling interview with Travis. And it was, it was, it was really cool to hear those stories. I ramble um, a lot. I'm a good rambler. Not bad, not bad. Hey, and I was recording a video yesterday. And before I started, I went, bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> I, I, I was like, hey, that's a, that's a great strategy. It does. It works. I did it yesterday before one of the races, a turf race. I think I did it. Yeah, it definitely works. All right. So, uh, Chris, why don't you start with uh, a question that you might have? Well, my question would be, uh, as a track announcer, that's a unique job. And your job is sort of watch the race and communicate what's going on to the, the people that are listening in. How has that sort of informed your handicapping or vice versa? I'm just interested in, in how those sort of cross-pollinate. I think that um, when you handicap races or you play the races, whether it be you know recreationally or even sometimes a bit more than that, like playing in a contest, um, I just think it makes you a better race caller because you get a sense of how races are going to shake out. You get a sense of how the race is developing and the race is flowing. And I think one of the things that makes good race calls is where you just elevate it above pure narrative and sort of play-by-play -play factual delivery, and you can actually apply some analysis to it and give the listener or viewer more of an understanding of what's going down, um, you know, whether it be a fast pace, slow pace, tough trip, good trip, um, and you know, obviously all sorts of levels in between. So I, I think it helps, and, uh, and I think it makes for, for better race calling, for sure. Yeah, sort of like on, on a football broadcast, you can get analysts who just tell you what happened or you can get like Tony Romo who sort of predicts what's going to happen. So you're kind of watching the race unfold and sort of anticipating you know, who's going to make a move or who's about to make a move or who's getting tired. Uh, is that sort of what you mean? Yeah, yeah. You just you, you understand how the race is shaking out because I think you guys would agree that you know pace makes the race. And um and it also gives you some insight into when you play races and you handicap horses and you watch your horse that you're playing, you can tell or understand or get a feel for um, how well the horse is traveling, whether the horse is comfortable, whether the horse is doing well. Those are also things that help with the race call as well. So I think it all it all contributes. All right, uh, Travis, I was doing a little research when I uh, a little research on you for the pod to find some biographical information. And I was looking up uh, uh, cases where you actually made some picks. And the first thing that came up was a video of the 2016 Kentucky Derby. And you picked that try completely cold Nyquist exaggerator and gun runner. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I took a screenshot. I'll probably tweet it out later. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, what is your handicapping methodology for, like for uh, for other people's interests, you know, do you use a racing form? You know, what what tools do you use, and what strategies do you use? I do I use the I take the formulator PPs and send them to an iPad. Um, so I do use formulator, but I augment that uh, information with whatever I can get my hands on. Time form US figures, I like to use those. I like to in particular use their uh, code red, cold code blue pace analysis. You know, whether the pace was fast or slow. Um, I'll look at Brisnet a little bit to get a sense of where their numbers are. Um, but to me, the, the best tool and utility for having some success playing the races is just watching replays. 
and getting an understanding of, of how the race shakes out. I think that uh, I think a running line in black and white only goes so far as to tell the story of what happened. And, and I'm really speaking even beyond um, you know, the obvious stuff where the horse checked or steadied or bumped at the start. I'm, I'm looking for more nuanced race flow type things. Um, so yeah, those would probably be my, my primary utilities. And then I also, I am not ashamed to pull friends, um, that I consider to be good horse players who have good opinions or think about things a little bit differently than I do, or are not afraid to sort of snap me back and say, no, you're being a little bit too bold. You're being a little bit crazy there. Um, and just using wisdom of the crowds in, in that capacity as well. So, um, it's a game of information. The more information you get, the better off you are. All right. And then just one little question uh, related to announcing, and that is, what do you do when you're not sure how to pronounce a horse's name? It uh, depends on the horse. If the horse has run before, uh, there's I'll go watch a replay. If it's an announcer that I trust that has done the work as well. Um, and, and most of the big time announcers out there, they, everybody puts the work in to get a name right. Um, I'm always thankful when an owner calls ahead of time um, or like when Talk Viv to me was going to run at Churchill a few years ago. Shayla Peru, Julian's uh, wife, sent me a message on Instagram uh, to give me a heads up on how they wanted it to, to pronounce, be pronounced. Um, and then there's Google for foreign names, uh, the, the database online for how to translate uh, foreign words and phrases has progressed uh, significantly. So that's always a good utility as well. And then when you don't know, at the end of all of that, you say a prayer and you, you announce it as if you do know. <laughs> and uh, it is what it is sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you just pretend like you knew it. And, you know, hopefully if, the, the worst is when you get the calls afterward of an owner complaining about how they wanted the horse name or pronounced. And if it's a goofy or sort of esoteric or personal type spelling and pronunciation. Well, I mean, the announcer, all of us, we want to say it right. So just call us ahead of time. Like, we're not going to be offended if you call us up and say, hey, by the way, this is how this name is said. Now, we, we'd rather get it right the first time than have to be corrected and get it right the second time. So for owners out there listening, uh, feel free to call us up and let us know. Yeah. Uh, who do they call? I mean, you're, it's not like your cell phone is out there. No, I mean, they'll call the, the front desk here at Churchill and I'll get, they'll get transferred up. Um, or, you know, a, a big effort now is Twitter. I've done a lot of pronunciation guides on Twitter um, for, for, you know, the real random ones that uh, are unknown. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they'll just call up. Okay, now I, I know I follow you, but I don't remember what your Twitter handle is. What is it for people's information? It's uh, Travis Stone, at Travis Stone, full name. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's get to the races because we have a limited time with you on this pod. We're doing the pick five, the all stakes pick five, starting with the seventh race tomorrow, May 23rd. And the first race is the Shawnee Stakes. It's a mile and 16th on dirt, purse of 100,000 for Phillies mares, four year old and up. And what did you think in this race, Travis? I mean, this, I think the whole question you have to ask yourself is whether or not you think Dunbar Road's going to come back in, in top form or if she is using this as a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Well, she certainly is. She's, uh, she's a grade one horse. Um, and Chad Brown's fine with these types of horses off the layoff. But, you know, I think you have to interpret that layoff in, in a, an interesting way in that um, she might need a race. The problem was, as I looked through it, the, the list of alternatives is not that long. I thought there were two possibles. I thought Vault was an interesting alternative for a horse that has a bit of a tightener at Oakland last time out. 
and uh, she's a Julie who also is coming off a layoff. So she's sort of in the same same boat as uh, Dunbar Road. But Steve Asmussen is just such a sharp trainer here in Kentucky. And rarely do you see horses needing a race with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought this race went through Dunbar Road. I mean, but she's tricky, right? Because she's not a single. I don't like to single horses like this off layoffs, even though she certainly is the class of the field. Yeah, it's a very tricky race for the, uh, the, the reasons of the two favorites, both coming off the layoff. Chris, what did you think here? Well, I am, I'm not as high on Dunbar Road. I've always thought she's gotten good results, but she hasn't been really fast. So, And, and because of her connection, she's just overrated, I think, and overplayed. So I'm I'm a little more negative than Travis in that, you know, you compound that with the layoff and the fact that this is obviously not what they're targeting. Um, I'm a, kind of against her. I actually think the other favorite, she's a Julie, is a lot stronger. Um, she's faster. She's run faster races. She's got a tactical edge, I think, um, in here. There's not much pace. Um, so she should be able to control the – the race. I mean, ah, Emma will probably be on the lead, but I think she's a Julie. Get a perfect stocking spot right off of her. Um, so, of the two favorites, I think you know I'm much higher on she's a Julie than, than Dunbar Road. Um, but I do think there is one horse that's interesting as a long shot, and that's the two horse Chocolate Kisses, who um, had some good races. She's run a, you know some fast races as a two year old. Her first uh, at the in Keeneland, she ran a really nice race, and then she ran a couple fast races last year. Um, but she clearly has some physical problems, um, and she took some time off. And they came back and ran her on the turf, and now she's second off a layoff. I think she's sitting on a big race, and it's kind of interesting if you look at her form. Every time she goes from turf to dirt, she runs a a really good race, and so. She had that prep on the turf, and now she's going turf to dirt. Second start as a four-year-old. Um, has some nice past figures to improve on. So, to me, there's a lot of upside there. She's in the two posts. She should get a good trip. Um, and she is likely to be a big price because of those two favorites. So, I think she's the interesting possibility as a long shot, and of the favorites, I much prefer she's a Julie. I'm sort of against Dunbar Road. I don't know if I could completely toss her, but if I play the fifth five, I probably will. So that's kind of my view on this race. Okay, well, this was, this race had the smallest field, but it was probably the most difficult race, uh, at least for me. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to play the pick five, but, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick a, a price horse here that I think has a shot. I think she has a great race in her. And the question is, when is she going to run it? If she's ever going to run it. And I think it might be today. And that's the three awe Emma. Uh, she is, she's probably going to have the lead. She likes to win on the lead. Her two biggest victories were on the lead at Oaklawn last year as a four-year-old. And um, so she, she has a pace edge, and I think she's a Julie will be content to, to rate right off her. Now, she ran a really nice race two races ago, which was her second off a layoff. And, um, 
and then and, and she galloped out huge and it just looked like a great sort of second race for her I, there was one race where she dumped the rider i'm not counting that um so in her last she was way overmatched in the big field apple blossom i mean she, they just bossed her and she had all kinds of traffic when she was trying to make a, a run from way back and it was just it was just like it, it was like a no a non-effort i mean she did actually run a number that was equal to her previous race but it doesn't really count as a race to me. Uh, I, I, I think I can throw it away because she she did have that traffic and she was way back and it was a, a monster grade one field. Uh, she's reunited with the jock who's had the best success with her, uh, John Court. She actually cost $2 million as a weanling. And she ran some good numbers as a four-year-old, a young four-year-old, and something went wrong. And I, I think she might just be coming back into shape and with the questions on Dunbar Road and she's a Julie, I, I just think she's, she could blow up the pick five from the very first race. So the, if I play the pick five, there's no way I'm not playing it with her. Um, I, the question is, what else would I put in there? Uh, I would definitely use Vault uh, as well, second off the layoff as a four-year-old. And I, I don't know what I would do with the rest of them. Uh, Travis, anything you want to add? No, I mean, I thought those, uh, you know, these are situations where if you can find a way to toss a horse like Dunbar Road and or user but beater, you know, user defensively and beater, I mean, you just set yourself up for uh, for success because, um, I mean, even, even she's a Julie, right? So many tickets are either going to be single to Dunbar or use both of them that you create great separation, and that's the key to big scores in these pools. Yeah, just on all Emma, two positives. Um, I agree with you. She will be on the lead. So anytime the horse is going to be on the lead on a race that doesn't project to have a hot pace, they're dangerous. So I'm with you there. And the reason she sold for $2 million is she's, you know, by Warfront is a hot sire. But her mother was a million-dollar grade one stakes winner, Awesome Maria. So, you know, she is really well-bred. And she's bred to you know run two turn races i mean austin maria was a grade one went around two turns by awesome again so um you know that the breeding and the race shape all are um in kind of in her favor if she can you know run the race of her life she could certainly win i, I she's an interesting long shot yeah i mean it, it is a big if um but I, I just think with all the other question marks in this race, you have to take a chance here. Um, but if you, if you know if any of our listeners is like, oh, I love Dunbar Road, you know maybe maybe that's okay. Uh, I just uh, I don't know what to do with her because uh, I agree she's uh, not quite as fast. She's not as fast as she's a Julie for sure. Yeah, I just always thought she was a little overrated that she had won some big races, but just had never really run fast in doing so. That doesn't mean she couldn't, but when she did face better horses, she didn't she, she didn't, you know, step up quite as much as she needed to when she ran against the older horses last year. So I don't know. I'm just not as big a fan and definitely think that, you know, clearly this it's a weird year, so it's really hard to predict 
what the intentions are, the connections, but certainly they expect to win a bigger race than this this year with this horse. So I don't think she's fully cranked. Right. All right, well, we'll move to the eighth race. That's the Teepin Stakes, a mile on the turf, purse of 100000 for three-year-old fillies. And we'll let Chris, uh, why don't you get us started on this race? All right, well, this has a big field, um, but there are a couple of, of horses that are clearly the ones to beat. Um, you know, Sharing was the two-year-old champion. She's a nice horse. She won you know, Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, Philly Turf race last year. But she's this horse who's really had just great trips in all her races. And she might be the kind that can just always make her trip. But in big fields, uh, there's a lot of luck involved in that. And I think she's kind of had luck on her side. So I'm a, I'm a little against her for that reason. Also, of course, for the same reasons we talked about with Dunbar Road, she's coming off a layoff. This is clearly not, you know, the ultimate objective with this horse. She's giving five pounds to about everybody else. She drew a, an outside post. So there's a lot of negatives in there. I wouldn't be shocked at all she won. I'm not as against her as I am against Dunbar Road just because she's not going to be, you know, three to five or four to five. Um, but the other favorite alms in here is, is really solid. I mean, it's kind of hard to knock her. She just always runs well, and she's overcome some trouble in her last race and still ran big. But she drew the 14 hole in a big field. So, you know, it's hard to see how she gets a good trip from there. It seems like they either have to use her a little more than they typically would like to to get position, which is probably what Paco Lopez will do because he's an aggressive rider. Or they have to drop back and, you know, try to, to come from out of it and, and through a lot of traffic and horses. So I think those are two clear do you have to use but there is a chance you could get a long shot in here and the one that i um like the most is the four horse dominga who got trounced basically by alms in her last race uh she ran second to her but was you know soundly beaten but that was not her best performance and she's actually run better than that and this time she gets a much better post than Alms. She's she gets a little a couple pounds in weight break, and you know, like I said, that last race wasn't even the best she's ever run. So I think she could run better in here, get a better trip, and maybe be able to turn the tables on Alms, who's probably the one to beat in here anyway. So at fifteen and one in the morning line, that's the horse I would take uh, Dominga as the value play in here. All right, Travis, what did you think here? Yeah, just sort of stole my thunder a little bit because I thought she was a really interesting candidate in this spot. Dominga is uh, for all the same reasons. I thought, you know, sharing has some question marks. Alms is a tough post. That's a very quick run to the first term. You're breaking from the 14 here at Churchill. It's not like they break at the top of the stretch. They're more mid stretch. Uh, Paco's an aggressive rider, so he'll probably get position. But yeah, I mean, there's some question marks there. I thought Dominga, one of the cool angles and handicapping that I've always sort of enjoyed is if you weave your way through a horse's past performances, such as Dominga, whenever a horse wins on debut, regardless of how they do it, it's usually a sign that the horse has some talent. And forget about her second career start, where she broke slow. Uh, and it was, you know, her first time against winners. Other than that, she's pretty much run a race every single time. 
And I think she's going to get a setup in here. I think there's a lot of speed. I think In Good Spirits wants to go. I think Outburst wants to be forward. Air of Light should go. And it just feels like you, you want a horse that's going to be coming from off the pace. So I thought she was really interesting. I won't go on about her because Scott already made several good points about her. I give you one like goofy long shot. If you're playing a big ticket, if you're looking to throw somebody in uh, on a backup defensive use, uh, Queen of Gold is breaking toward the outside. She looked to be a horse that wanted to show forwardly play speed early on in her career, but she's sort of developed awfully nicely since. And in the Mike Maker barn, she's really thrived. She's shown the ability to come from a little bit farther off the pace. She's just one of these horses that often fires, and she's going to be a gigantic price and with a running style that I think fits this race. Now, is she a huge win candidate? I mean, you're asking a lot. But, um, you know, if you're playing tries and supers, I think she's very live to, to hit the board in, in some capacity, at least from an overlay perspective. But, uh, but yeah, no, I thought Dominga was sort of the interesting uh, wise guy type play in here. All right. Well, uh, I think the last time all three of us, that's me, Chris, and the guests, agreed on a horse, it came in at 14 to 1. I think it was Gator Power. I think that was the name of the horse at Tampa Bay. No, it was I, Gator Posse. We were the Gator Posse. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, the Gator Posse. I kept on, for like a, a week, I've been trying to think, like, what was the name of that horse? Gator something. Um, it was Gator Posse. Anyway, and that was with Andy Serling on the pod that we all agreed. I'm going to get on board with you guys, with Dominga. And, uh, you know, she, in her last race, I was watching the replay. She was soundly bumped at the start. She seemed a little rank and was trying to get out with her head cocked uh, all the way around the track. And then, and then she just rolled and she, she just, she crushed the field. Now she was five to two. So I guess she was supposed to win, but I was like, I was just expecting it to be a bad trip note. Like I'm writing a bad trip note. Like this is what happened and this is her excuse. And she still rolled. I mean, she still won it. So, and her figure from December 5th at Fairgrounds. That came up, it's a 75 buyer, so it's, it doesn't look bigger than the rest of her figures, but on the sheets, it's bigger. And if she gets back to that number, uh, which she earned that number after stumbling at the break, she's, she's, she's an absolute play. Um, but I would also say that uh, Alms is a must use in the pick five. And I also, I think sharing is a, a must use. Now, I don't remember, I picked her on the pod in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and I don't think she had perfect trips in those two races before the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. So I, I, I think she actually did overcome some obstacles, but I didn't put any note in Formulator, so I don't have the notes from then. I'd have to like go back to my sheet from, from like back in December. Uh, November uh, last year. So, so I would, you know, anybody who's thinking about the pick five, I personally would not play a pick five without sharing being on the ticket. Cause she's not going to be like six to five, but in fact, uh, alms may even be favored. She's going to be an okay price. And I, I she's really done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with what you said. Uh, although I, I think you should go back and watch those races because she got sweet trips. So you might want to go back and see those because I didn't see any trouble that you're you're not talking about. Um, but certainly she's a good horse. 
and she's not going to be four to five or anything like that. So I would, I'm not saying toss her. Um, I, I think you want to use her. I did have one other long shot I wanted to, to mention, and that's the three horse walk in Marrakesh, who I think is kind of interesting. It was running in Europe and they brought it over for stakes at Woodbine and it ran a really nice race on a yielding course. And then they gave her some time off and she's had two starts this year. You know, her first one was pretty good um, off the bench. And then her last one, she had all kinds of trouble. Um, just a, a really bad trip. And now she gets Jose Ortiz, draws the three hole. Like Travis said, should get a setup in here. This horse can finish. Um, it's double digits on the morning line. I think that's another one you would want to consider in here, the three-horse walk in Marrakesh. Okay, noted. And we will move to the next race. It's the ninth. It's the Blame Stakes. A mile on dirt, a purse of 100000 for four-year-olds and up. Travis, where did you land here? Yeah. Blame, one of my favorite horses of all time. So I'm excited about this race. He, he was a cool one. Uh, I thought this was interesting because you have what I thought was a, a bit of a murky pace scenario. Because a lot of the horses that have ones and twos in their running lines seem to have ones and twos with slower paces. So I don't know necessarily how fast they're going to go. With the exception of Diamond King, who I think is has potential sprint-like speed. Um, I think it could be dangerous breaking from that outside post. So I thought he was a horse that I wanted to consider and, uh, and use somewhat prominently on a pick five, just because I think he has talent. I don't know if this is necessarily a class of world beaters. And I want to take a shot against horses like Owendale in here, who are, which is a theme of the day, coming off a layoff, probably destined for bigger and better things going longer distances. Whereas Diamond King um, has a somewhat recent race. It was a good race and it was a good figure. And the horse has a good post to sort of get out there. And Kendrick Carmouche is an aggressive rider. So I think they're going to dictate terms on the front end. And if I had to make a top pick, he would probably be it. Be a little bit tentative, though, because I, I'm a little concerned as to truly how far he wants to go. So, you know, we'll sort of, we'll see there. Um, I thought another interesting contender in here, I don't know if he can get back to the form. I mean, Backyard Heaven was was awesome on Oaks Day a few years back when he won the Alley Shield for Chad Brown. And then it was really hot on that Stephen Foster night, and he just went the wrong direction. And, you know, maybe his best races are behind him, but this feels like a horse that Mike Maker, just the type of horse that Mike Maker is going to do good things with. And I thought he was somewhat of a live player. Um, I don't know if you're going to get 15 to one in American Anthem. Danny Gargan obviously fires at a big percentage. This horse has run good races at Churchill. So I thought he was interesting. I felt like this was just ultimately a race you wanted to spread around in. Um, Cause I, I couldn't really sink my teeth into anybody. There was no real strong opinion here with the exception of, I do think diamond King is going to get the sort of trip and scenario that allows him to run his best race. And, and maybe that makes him the one to beat. All right. Diamond King, the speed from the 14 hole. Chris, where did you land? Well, in terms of, of pace, I kind of agree with Travis. I mean, certainly Diamond King is going to go with Kendrick Carmouche and drawing that 14 post, and he'll be on the lead. And But there are other horses, I think, that want to push it, and I'm guessing at least one of them will, will send after him, and, and I think it will be at least an honest pace, if not sharp. So I think that makes it a, a should be an honestly run race. So I don't think anyone's going to steal it. Although 
you know, if someone does, it probably will be Diamond King. So I, I can see where Travis is coming from there. But for me, I have a pretty strong opinion in here, um, too, actually. One really solid horse um, and another that's just a really live long shot. So the the horse I like, and if people have listened to past last pod about a month ago, they'd know I was really high on Mr. Money. Um, I have been all along in his career. I've cashed on him quite a few times, sometimes at a big price. And I just think this race is set up for him perfectly. Uh, he didn't like the off track, I don't think, last time. And he probably needed the race. Scott said, uh, told me afterwards that uh, the, the trainer kind of hinted that he didn't think he was really ready to fire. Um, uh, and uh, I think second off the layoff, again, four-year-old, uh, this one-turn mile at Churchill is the wheelhouse for Mr. Money. This is the perfect track and distance, and he draws the outside post, and he has tactical speed, so, you know, they can put him right where he wants it. When he runs his race, he just gallops along and, and you know, accelerates when they need, need him to. So, you know, I'm very good chance I'm just going to single Mr. Money in here and roll the dice with that. Um, cause I think he's going to run a big race and I think his best will win. So, uh, I'm kind of the opposite of Travis in here. I'm not going to spread in this one. I think I'll probably go with Mr. Money. Oh, there is one other horse I might toss in. And that is the nine horse extraordinary Jerry, who's just a really interesting horse to me. Um, if Mr. Money were not in here, this is the horse I would be all over. I'll probably play him anyway. Um, this horse has been kind of extraordinary, uh, pun intended, uh, in that he was kind of a so-so horse in the um, the stable for Doug O'Neill. But um, and, he, and they didn't really know what to do with him. They're kind of running him on turf and dirt and mostly turf. And then the uh, owners switched to uh, a new trainer. It's a fairly young trainer, Dermot Maynard, I think is how you say his last name. And uh, he was an assistant under Fletcher and Brown. So, you know, he got some pretty good training. He's been on his own now for a couple of years, and he does pretty well. But with this horse, he got it, and I think it went in like an off-the-turf uh, stakes race on the dirt, and it just galloped on the dirt, just one easy. And then... They put it back on the turf. For some reason, they wanted to try to run it really long, and the breeding doesn't really say that makes sense, but they finally put him back on the dirt again, and again, he just galloped with a big number. And so they said, okay, well, all right, maybe this horse is a dirt horse. And so, uh, and that was at Saratoga. So then they brought him into a, a state-bred stakes race at Gulfstream, and he just freaked. I mean, he ran a monster race. And so his last three starts on dirt had just been in monster races for the, since he switched barns. He hasn't beat much, and then he went on a layoff, but he's been training over in Florida, been working well. Uh, the trainer does well off the layoff. And, you know, they thought enough to, to get – they wanted to get him in a race, so they actually shipped him over to – Churchill to run in this race and you know to me uh his dirt form his recent dirt form absolutely fits in here and 
the thing that's nice about his last race that he got the big figure in, he didn't get a big buyer. And I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too much, but this was a race that was really hard to make a figure for because it was the only two-turn dirt race that wasn't for two-year-olds that day, or only dirt race, that uh, route race that wasn't for two-year-olds. I think it was the only one-turn mile. And Timeform had it real fast. The Chiefs have it real fast. But Bayer broke it out and made it really slow. They just didn't want to give him a big number. So they gave all the other horses really slow numbers. And um, all those horses pretty much came back and ran the numbers that they should have given him, I think. So I think Bayer missed this one, which means that that number doesn't look as good on to most people than it really was. So anyway, I'll, st- I'll shut up because I know I'm rambling. But Extraordinary Jerry, he may not be ready off the bench. He may not be quite this good. Although I think he does fit here, but I think he's definitely a use in here, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he runs a big race. And if he doesn't, I'll be playing him in his next start. So extraordinary Jerry is the the bomb, but Mister Money I think is is the the key to this race um, in the pick five. All right, before I before I uh, sort of. Uh, put some some um, w- a wet blanket on on uh, Mr. Money. Listeners should know that this is a classic Chris play. Second off a layoff as a young four year old, and Chris usually wins these. Yeah, I mean, when when we disagree, he he wins. So so Mr. Money is probably a single here. <laughs> However, the one thing about Mr. Money last year is that whenever he ran great, he was working sensationally, and. He's just not working sensationally right now. I mean, he was working slow for his layoff race. And and the trainer I had read, but I just didn't get around to saying it because uh, I forgot. I wanted to say it, but we get to be rambling, and sometimes I forget things I want to say. Uh, so the trainer has indicated that they had to start somewhere, in quotes. Now, if they were angling for this race, they would have – they would have said, well, we're prepping for the blame, but they didn't say that. He just said, we got to start somewhere. So I don't think he's ready yet. I don't think he's, I think he's a talented horse that's going to run big, but I think maybe the next race is when he's going to pop and um, at, at a fairly low price from the outside, which by the way, uh, they only hit at from that post eight on out. They only hit at uh, 7% at Churchill uh, at a mile. At least that was uh, last fall meet. Um, so, you know, his workout since his last race, he's had one workout, which is interesting. Why, why only one workout? And it was an improved workout over what he was working before the layoff race. But it, it wasn't even close to what he was doing as a three-year-old. Well, if you contrast that with By My Standards, uh, By My Standards was working his eyeballs out when he won as a three-year-old and also when he came back as a four-year-old. So that's why I'm kind of against Mr. Money. Um, so n- now for my uh, sort of lukewarm picks, I'm with Travis on Diamond King. Uh, he is the main speed. He just ran his best race as a five-year-old. He's always been fast. Uh, interesting to note, I looked up the breeding, and he's a full to Bellafina, which is a pretty good thing, I think. She is uh, outstanding at seven furlongs. Um, Diamond King is four for four in the exacta at the distance. He comes off a really sharp three furlong workout last week. The trainer is three for six lifetime at Churchill. Uh, 
I think he'll likely get overlooked and and may float above the 10 to 1 morning line. So so he's my top pick, but I'll give you a couple other price horses that I would use in the pick four uh, if I'm playing it, a pick five if I'm playing it. One is Snapper Sinclair. He ran a small top three races ago, and then he had two off races in the slot. Uh, he's two for six of the distance, and this is probably a better distance for him. He, you know, he 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 won. He seems more like a sprinter to me, uh, and he does have a win at Churchill at the distance. So I would use him. And the, the other horse that I would absolutely use is Silver Dust. He's the most consistently fast horse in this field. You can toss his last when he was unsettled at the gate and lunged at the start and was rank. So just completely throw that race out. And if you do that, this is really his third off a layoff. If he gets back to his numbers from last year, he can win and he's going to be ignored. Uh, he should be at least his 10 to 1 morning line. And then finally, the last horse that I would also include, and this is why I may not be able to play the pick five, is Global Campaign. He's undefeated at one turn. This is his second off a layoff as a young four-year-old. Um, he was running like longer than he should have all at, during his three-year-old campaign. And he could be a great horse. And, you know, nine to two, that's fine. So so I would use all four of those. Yeah, it's a good race. Wide open. Chris, counterpoint? Uh, no, I uh, I mean, I, I won't disagree with you. I mean, clearly we have a difference of opinion on Mr. Money, but, you know, Maybe he needs one more race. We'll see. I, I think he'll, he's ready to pop in here. Um, I, I would ask Travis a question, though. To me, with the long run of the first turn, outside posts are really good if you have tactical speed. Would you disagree with that, um, having watched a lot of one-turn mile races at Churchill, Travis? Yeah, I mean, if, if you can break well, you can get out there. Um, one of the things about the shoot at Churchill that people don't realize, it's actually not a direct straight line from the chute to the main track, they do have to make a bit of a left-hand turn. So if you, um, you know, are four or five wide moving up that chute, you can pick up a few extra feet of ground to cover. Um, and, you know, obviously with long runs to turns, it uh, can yield more competitive paces, more horses have a chance to get back into the race after slow starts. So, I mean, it's not uncommon to see fast half miles at Churchill, but it's not uncommon to see fast paces, period. I mean, this is, dirt racing at its best here so um you know it's not a huge disadvantage you'd rather be in the 14 going to one turn mile at churchill than the 14 going on a 16th on the dirt that's for sure all right well we'll uh we'll we'll keep it tight uh it turns out chris that we've got a few more minutes of travis's time so we'll keep rolling with the 10th race at churchill it's the matt win stakes a grade three mile and a 16th on dirt purse of 150,000 for three-year-olds and Chris it's your turn to start what did you think I I really like the one horse mystic guide in here uh, especially at the morning line of 15 to 1 I mean this horse looked sensational in its last start which was its first start around two turns its second start of its career uh, just handwritten uh, I think there's more in the tank uh, I love the breeding by Ghost Zapper out of Music Note, who's like won over a million multiple grade ones, you know, a 10 furlong uh, grade one winner. 
Uh, this court draws the rail, you know, owned by Godolphin. Michael Stidham's kind of, he's not a, a superstar trainer, but he's a really good trainer, and he's been getting better stock with Godolphin recent years. Um, and there's other horses, I think, that are going to get the play in here, and this horse could get overlooked, and I just think it's uh, – really a great value play here. Um, the kind of horse I love in these races, you know, where you're, you're looking for that improvement, um, and it might get overlooked a little bit, um, in a big field. So I'm all about mystic guide in here, not saying it, it's a lock or anything, but I think it's definitely the value play. Won her last race with a hand ride. Travis, what did you think? Uh, this is a fun race, right? I mean, you've got, um, questions about whether or not max field's going to come back with his his best stuff again he's a theme that of the day and the big layoff and he, he ran so well at king you don't usually see horses rally from the back of the pack when i'm on a 16th there so he definitely has some talent but obviously then he had some issues and it's his first start in a while so i thought it was sort of an, an opportunity to maybe fade him a little bit but then you poke through this field and i just didn't feel like there was much pace You've got a lot of horses that want to come from off it. Uh, from the outside, you got Major Fed, who's a closer. Attachment rate is not exactly one-way speed. Maxfield, dead closer. Uh, shake some action, closer. Crypto cash, closer. You start to weave through this field, and it's just a lot of closers. I thought there were two horses that wanted to be forwardly placed for sure. One was the four uh, Celtic striker, who ran in the Gotham last time out. Backed up pretty bad there, but they were going to give him another chance in here. He could be forwardly placed, but... You know, I don't know. Does this race go through New York traffic and Paco Lopez? It certainly feels like it. Um, I'm questioning the, the true depth of the Louisiana Derby. I think that's a fair question. Um, and, and New York traffic was sort of involved in that pace from the go. But we talked about Time Form US earlier. That was what they considered a code red pace, where the pace was considered fast for the distance and final time. Now, it was a tricky distance, a, a frequent, infrequently run distance. So I'm not going to totally hang my hat on that, but it's pretty hard to envision a scenario where New York traffic is not controlling the pace of this race. And that's what Paco does best. Um, if Safi Joseph can ship the barn to Kentucky and compete here, I think this horse is going to be very tough. And I just think he's going to be catching horses that ultimately I believe will be better than him um, at the right time. You know, first start in their form cycle. He's got some recency. Uh the other horse I was a little bit interested in, just from a pace perspective, and I think he's got the best dirt rider in the country in Ricardo Santana's pneumatic, breaking from post two. I agree with all the prior sentiments on, on Mystic Guide. I don't think you're going to get 15 to 1 on him, but pneumatic to me is just, he's done, he's done nothing wrong. He stretched out just fine in his second career start after sprinting for the maiden win. Um, the pace in his most recent race, a little bit on the slow side, he was off it a little bit wide. I just thought he was going to draw draw well in here and work out a good trip and sort of get first run on some of the other closers. Um, but to me, if uh, you're looking to play a, a solid priced horse, I think New York traffic's going to be very tough in the front and if he can run his race. Yeah, this is a super tough race and uh, just another reason I probably won't be playing the pick five. <laughs> uh, but at this distance at a mile and a 16th post eight on out are only hit at 5%. So it's, it's, it's even di more difficult to win from out there at this distance. And that was only at the last meet, um, the last fall meet just, uh, for, for the record. I I'm with Chris. I actually, I like mystic guide. I mean, the mother was a monster, 
Uh, Ghost Zapper is a monster dirt sire. And she won the maiden race. Uh, he won the maiden. Are, are we are we talking about? Yeah, he, he won his maiden race uh, uh, with a hand ride. He's working faster than ever. He's going to be lower than 15 to 1 because he's been favored in both his races. And I, I, I would be surprised if he's above 8 to 1. But he'll be my pick. And I, I also liked Pneumatic. And I, I, I don't know what to do, Travis, with New York traffic. I mean, on the numbers, New York traffic is a play. I'll have to watch that last race. I mean, it, it, I, you know, Safi Joseph is one of these trainers that we're not sure if he's uh, a super trainer or not, but he was a super trainer for for a while, and then um, the indictments happened, and and now he's not as much of a super trainer. Yet at the same time, he he he's been winning with stakes horses like Tonalist Shape. So I don't know. He uh, if he's ten to one, like I would say he's probably used. But I also think this race is wide open. So I think Major Fed has a shot. I think Shake Some Action has a shot, and Maxfield. He's had plenty of time, and there's no reason why he can't run uh, a good race after his last race. So. So uh, I, I wish I was more of a help to our listeners in this race, um, but it's, this is a tough one. It, yeah, I'll just jump in. On, on pneumatic, I agree. Everything you guys say, the horse definitely a contender. I just think that horse might go off favorite with Santana, Asmussen, undefeated. Uh, I don't know. I just think that horse – will be heavily bet. So I don't think there'll be any value there, but definitely a contender. I'm kind of with Travis on New York traffic. And I also agree with Scott. I just, I've been playing against the Joseph horses, but lately the last few weeks, they're running better now. And with Paco, you know, overall they win 44% of the time, but this year they've won nine out of 14 starts. Um, and like Travis said, he's sort of the, the clearly the best of the speed horses. So I, I would, I just don't know if you'll get 10 to one. That seems awful high on this horse, but um, I, the morning lines uh, a tough in this race, but I think, you know, definitely New York traffic is a contender. Pneumatic is a contender. Uh, Maxfield uh, is sort of like all the horse we talked about. Um, this is probably not the objective. Um, so, you know, I still think Mystic Guide is the value. Maybe you won't get 15 to 1, but I think he'll be much higher priced than those other contenders. Um, and just one note I'll make for a horse like Maxfield or Pneumatic or Mystic Guide, one of the cool things about this year with the, the funky scheduling of the Triple Crown, especially the Derby, you know, these are the kind of horses that might turn out to be legitimate derby contenders that would have had absolutely no chance um, in the normal schedule, especially a horse like Maxfield, who had to come off, you know, the injury and mystic guide pneumatic who just got a late start, but have a lot of potential. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of these three being um, a real contender in the derby this year. Um and any other year, they never would have made it to the starting gate. So that's just an interesting observation um, going forward. 
All right. Well, um, I know Travis only has five more minutes, so we'll get to the 11th race. It's the War Chant Stakes. It's a mile on the turf, a purse of 100000 for three-year-olds. And Travis, what did you think here? I thought this was uh, this was a skull buster. I, I, there's a lot going on in here. First, from a pace perspective, uh, Island Commish, Banzi, Hieronymus, uh, three horses that want to be forward, smooth like straight, a horse that wants to be forward and it's been forward in all his career starts. Uh, street ready is probably not going to go in this spot, but you know they could get bold from that outside post and send. And so I just started looking around for horses that I thought could come from off the pace. And and I've got two interesting ideas. And I don't want to say that these are like would be top picks for me or like singles, just interesting horses to throw onto the ticket. One of which is South Bend, who's drawn well down inside. It's a horse they raced on the dirt for a while, and he won the street sense uh, last fall here at Churchill and sort of hit the Derby Trail uh, pretty quickly after doing nothing wrong in his first two career starts. Now, the one thing I think about South Bend is he might be a one-turn horse, but when they put him on turf for the first time, the Dania Beach back in February, he responded with a nice effort, and he was right there with Field Pass, who's going to be one of the favorites in here. And his subsequent starts, he hasn't done a, a ton wrong. Like The uh, Cutler Bay, it was a fast-paced race, and he made up some ground. He, he ran well. And then in the English Channel, he had a bit of a tough trip. And, uh, and today he's going to get a scenario that I think allows him to run his best race, which is sort of that one-run one type closing effort. He's drawn well. If Julian can work out a trip, I do think he offers value. Uh, I, and I've got one, uh, and you guys might never invite me back after this crazy idea. Uh, Fenwick Station is going to be gigantic odds. He's going to be forgotten in, in post-14. But if you sort of take a step back and look at his overall career profile, he's improved with each and every start. He's now going to be third off the layoff. I once did a study where I went through and, and found all PPs of horses coming third off the layoff and other scenarios at, at big odds to hit the board. So in other words, I tried to find long shots that just ran well and find patterns that fit those types of long shots. And third off the layoff with an improved figure and its second off the layoff start was by far the most prominent uh, pattern that I found. And this is it. This is a horse that's third off the layoff. He improved numbers-wise off the second career start, second start off the layoff, I should say, and now is poised for a, another forward effort in, in this particular race. He's a huge price. I think the race flow fits him. He's just a goofy idea. He's not a horse I would say, yeah, you know, go single him and bet $100 to win uh, to some random fan or friend that was going to the track for the day. But I would, I would encourage people to, to consider him as an alternative to, to horses that, that figured to have a very contentious pace up top. Well, Travis, uh, we, would, we would invite you back specifically because you mentioned Fenwick Station, because that's the kind of pod we run. <laughs> we, we, we like those crazy long shots. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just awesome. interesting. Big price. Um, I was going to say I, the same thing. We love that. We love those picks. So yeah. Uh, now I, I I know Travis has a radio interview to go to, so 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 I'm going to let you out now, Travis. Um, so b- before you leave, I want to thank you so much for j- taking the time to to spend and listen to our rambling, and hopefully we gave the listeners something good. Uh, thanks a lot for being on the show. You got it, guys. Enjoy the card. It's five hundred thousand dollar guarantee in that pick five. I think you're almost uh, obligated to jump in. So uh, it was fun chatting, and good luck if you play it. All right. Thanks a lot and uh, take care. Take care. All right, Chris, where did you land in the war chant? Well, one thing I just want to say, one thing, Travis is a great 
uh, track announcer. I mean, uh, I, and he's getting better all the time. So I just wanted to say that I was going to say that while he was on, but um, he's just really good. I mean, he, and uh, you know, good announcers when you hear them and Travis is one of the top in the game for sure. So. Yeah. And I, I, I will second that. I, I, before Travis got the Churchill gig for a variety of reasons, I don't know. I saw him on Twitter. He was like pretty active on Twitter and I just started noticing his calls and I was like, Hey, this guy's pretty good. And then, and then, and then he got, I guess he, I don't know the exact trajectory, but he ended up being the Churchill announcer. And I was like, all right, they finally landed on it like a good solid one. And he'll, he's probably going to be the announcer there for as long as he wants to do it. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I really enjoy his call. So, um, and I can't say that about every uh, announcer. Um, you know, he's definitely one of the best and he gets, he's getting better all the time. So thank you, Travis, for joining us. And thank you for what you do uh, to make the races that more, much more enjoyable. All right. All so right. on to this race. Um, I'm with uh, Travis on South Bend, uh, drawing the rail. Uh, I think I agree with him, too. This is one race where I think you're definitely going to get a hot pace. Um, so I think it sets up for closers, and you know South Bend um, will be one of those. He does come sort of far back, which you know can always be a little dicey, but and, and, and Lamperu, uh you know, it's sort of a mixed bag, but this is the kind of horse on the turf. He can save ground. Um, he may get into trouble, um, but if he can get a clean trip, certainly fits. Um, and at anything close to the morning line, definitely he's a use. There's two other horses that I kind of liked in here. Uh, one is the, uh, another one of them is the two horse Bodhi Cream, who is another long shot who has run a lot of good races, um, just fits in here on numbers, gets a good post. Um, so again, with a trip, there's no reason why it couldn't win. And, and best of all, this is sort of a karma thing. It's actually a half to sacred oath who was my, you know, pick of the week last week and came through for me. So there's a little bit of karma there with Bodhi cream, um, or body cream. I'm not sure how he's by Bodie Meister, but um, maybe it's pronounced body cream. I sh if Travis were here, we could ask him. Um, but uh, so those two are live um, inside closers. Uh, another horse I like would be more of a stalker is the 11 horse street ready. I don't like the post so much, but maybe they string out a little bit and they can, he does have some tactical speed. Um, maybe he can get some uh, position. But his last race was just ultra impressive. I mean, you just don't see that he broke from an outside post and he was like spun eight wide on the first turn, which is typically there's no way you win a race unless you just lay over the field with that kind of a uh, start. And he stayed parked wide the entire race and then he drew off and won easy. Uh, it was just amazing. Uh, and since then, he's had a, a really fast workout. I mean, just a sizzling workout. And, you know, his, his race before that one was another one where he drew an outside post and had a wide trip. And he's had a lot of trouble in, in his starts. Um, but if you look, go back in his form, he actually um, beat Hieronymus, who's, gonna, who's like one of the favorites in here. Um, 
And, you know, just a lot. I really like this horse. If it had a better post, I would love the horse. From the 11 hole, I'm afraid it's going to have another wide trip. But if it gets a little better ride, and this time they try to get him in behind the hot pace, and he can save a little ground and not go too wide. Uh, his last race was just impressive. And that, that recent workout was just says he's still razor sharp. And um, he's 15 to 1. So... Those three, one, two, and eleven, and and you know, I kind of like the eleven the best, probably, or maybe the one, but I've got to watch the odds. But those three, I think, are are all live long shots in a pretty wide open race, and one where I think a horse from off the pace is is very likely to win, just because there's so much early speed. There's a lot of different ways you can go in this race. I. I certainly don't know what to do as far as pick five because there's so many places to go. And, and, and certainly your information on street ready there uh, greatly interests me. Uh, that 15 to one, I, I, I didn't get a chance to look at this race as closely because it was the last race and, and the last race I always spend a little bit less time on, unfortunately, because we have a, a deadline, but there's two horses I'm going to mention and neither of which have been mentioned yet. And the first one is a speed horse. Now, that's the four, Vanzi. And you know, putting aside the, the issue of whether he's going to contest a fast pace, putting that aside, um, I, I love the pattern on the horse. He, he ran in December on the synthetic. He won a pretty solid race. It was a stake race uh, on the synthetic. And then he had an off race at Aqueduct. Uh, they, they pulled him up. I don't know what happened there. He did actually contend a, a, a pace that had pretty fast red coated time form fra fractions. So, so maybe that was the reason, and maybe that's the only way he can run. But I, I still, I'm in love with the pattern. I, I love the pattern, and the, I looked up the breeding. He's got his mother was uh, the dam Selva. One at five and a half furlongs on the turf, which is not that great. But there's another horse named Colt in Mississippi that won a, a two-turn turf race, although he was only one for 12. Uh, the reason why I'm giving this horse a shot is because in October, he ran a two-turn race, his main race, and he wasn't right on the lead. And so maybe, you know, if there's a, a super hot pace, maybe, just maybe he can he can stay off the pace a little bit and he's 20 to one. So, so he's a horse I want to consider and he's got a sizzling workout, uh, May 8th. Um, I, I, I would have a hard time not including him in this race. And the other horse that I'm interested in is Bama breeze, the seven. And I'm really interested in him because I was listening to David Aragona and Craig Milkowski's, a DRF podcast last week and he was entered in a race. It was an allowance race and he ended out scratching because it, it came off the turf, but they pointed me to this horse. Uh, uh, David mentioned that Bama breeze had a really tough trip and I watched the race and he did. He, he, he was way back and he, he really had to navigate a bunch of traffic. It wasn't like a horror show, but it was not a good trip. And he, he he just he handled it with a plum. It was it was it was a very solid race. 
the second thing is that what what Craig mentioned, because the figure came up really low on that as a, a 67 buyer. And Craig mentioned that it was a tough race to to make figures for because it was the only turf race that day at Churchill. So so it was a tough race. So so maybe the figure, you know, we just don't know how accurate it is because we couldn't compare these maidens to any other uh, set of horses. So I think this horse has a lot of talent and, you know, they interviewed Rusty Arnold about the horse. I don't think he's going to be 30 to one, but he'll still be a, a really good price. He actually said coming into this race, this horse needs more seasoning and more ground. And he was entered in an allowance last week. So I, I'm going to take him at his word. But at the same time, what if he's that good? I mean, if you watch that last race, I, I would advise anybody, go watch that race. He also had a monster gallop out after he, like, after he, yeah, he did some, I wrote this, behind and inside most trip, gained willingly and navigated traffic. Some serious zigzagging and stretch, chose to go inside and knifed through leaders, monster gallop out. So that's uh, you know, another horse that I would I would consider, and I don't I don't know if uh, yeah I don't know if I'm going to play the pick five. I don't know how deep I'll go in this race, but if I do play the pick five, I will certainly use Vanzi and Bama Breeze. Yeah, the Bama Breeze race, the horse it looked like um, you know one of these chase scenes in a movie that's just zigzagging between cars. He was like zigging and zagging all round horses it was pretty funny um so to me the horse didn't he was pretty seasoned to, to navigate through all that traffic but it was a really slow figure although you make a good point one thing's neat about time form is they'll flag some of these figures that are are even more subjective than most so like this one has like an o by it which means it was the only race that they could make a figure off probably on the turf that day or at least two turns on the turf so when you see that, you know, you got to uh, put a little less stock in the number that when I talked about extraordinary Jerry and that one questionable figure where I thought the buyer team made the, the wrong call, uh, he that time for market with a B, which means they broke it out and didn't use other races on the day. They just projected based on the horses in the race. So, again, they have limited data and that's just telling you you got a lot more uncertainty around those figures. And I just think in general on any speed figure, they're not there. There's a, there's some error bars around every figure, even the better ones, but some are, are more uncertain than others and time form for the really questionable ones, at least flags them for you, which is kind of nice. Um, I think all figure makers should do something like that because uh, I mean, an, an 85 in one race might be a lot more reliable than an 85 in another where they had a lot less data to go on. So that's something to always keep in mind with figures. They're not perfect. Um, you know, so you need to put them in context at all times. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, uh, wanted to say at Vansy, I like that horse too. I just, I'm kind of staying away from the speed horses, but if somehow the pace doesn't cook up or they can rate the horse, although with the rider they've chosen, I seriously doubt they're going to rate. Um, but maybe the horse is just that good. Um, but that's one where if it is a hot pace and that horse gets caught up in it, I'll definitely be looking to play that one next time out um, for all the reasons that you said, Scott, I like that horse. Um, but you can see just by, by what Travis and you and I have said about this race, 
to me, this is a spread race. This is a chaos race. It's going to be all about the trips. And I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, if this is one of the, the leg where there's a big price that comes in. Um, so this is the one where if you play pick four, pick five, um, I would spread out. And if you're going to play the verticals, you know, go with the value. Don't even a horse like field pass. So I don't think I don't even mention it. You know, he certainly ran a monster race last time on the volley track. He could win, but I wouldn't take a short price in this race. Same with Hieronymus, who I think because of the pace is really um, up against it. Um, you know, I wouldn't take a short price like that um, in this race. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just, uh, I don't want to go on and on about every horse in the race, but I will add a note, a comment on Fenwick station that Travis mentioned, uh, the 50 to one coming from the 14 hole. I am noted that the horse has improved every single race, except for the one where he was fractious at the gate. So, so that's you know that's that's something, and he's he's not very much slower than the other horses. A couple of other interesting things. Uh, one, we do know that the we expect the pace to be pretty fast, no matter what. It's just a question of whether Vansy can handle it uh, or if he can raid off of it. So there's going to be a fast pace, and Fenwick Station may benefit at an extraordinary price. And they're putting blinkers on the horse. Which is interesting because, well, first of all, the trainer has a positive ROI putting blinkers on, uh, at least in the last five years. And the horse is one for one at Churchill. And the interesting thing is that Gaffleone is riding the horse for the third time. So he probably had some comment about, he probably recommended to the trainer, Eddie Keneally, Hey, I think we should put blinkers on this horse for whatever reason, and um, that that could be it, it could help. You know, uh, I, he's he's all the way out in the fourteen hole, but he can totally drop back and probably not be more than two to three wide on the first turn. And the second turn, we're not as concerned about if he can save ground on the first turn. So I would, yeah, I. I, I think the I think it's a crazy race, and you're probably going to have to go deep. But if I play it, I I will try to work in Fenwick Station. Yes, uh, with the fast pace, sometimes that does string out the field and make it a little bit easier to uh, you know save some ground and to work your way through the field. So um, you know certainly a horse like Fenwick Station, even from that post with a good rider just maybe can work a trip and maybe not win, but, you know, light the board at, at a big price, um, you know, hit the board could really juice up some of the, you know, try and super that those kind of, um, plays. All right. Well, um, I think that'll be it because I think we've been going for a long time now. So again, thank you to our guest, Travis Stone. That will conclude show number 65 of the PH Pod. So may you crush the Churchill Downs pick five on Saturday. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs>